Welcome everybody to uh, Gym Life Podcast Special Athlete uh, Coach Interview with uh, a guy that I've been meaning to get on for quite some time now. Uh, the very outspoken, as many of you know, uh, also uh, world champion, uh, strongman, uh, multiple records. Uh, his personality always precedes him. Uh, his last competition was, uh, let's see, the 2019 America's Strongest Man. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yes. which you had won. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that, and welcome, Terry Ratty. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, been been watching your show a few times. So yeah, appreciate it's, it. It's podcast. Yeah, I enjoy it. So hopefully this one gets out there. Um, yeah, it sure will, man. And I know a lot of people I... are excited to hear from you. You know, you're a pretty outspoken guy. You know that. Um, yeah, for as much as many people hate me, uh, my podcast, anytime I do a podcast with somebody, it's always the best performing. One. <laughs> so as much as people want to hate me, they sure do love to listen to what I have to say. Well, everybody uh, likes a little controversy, whether they want to admit it or not. And we said yeah. it on the show, a little controversy draws up conversation. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, you know, there's drama that's happened. And I, and I said this, whenever it happened, I didn't really address too much of it, but, um, all good all pr is good pr unfortunately right. in the end right in the yeah, end is, is, yeah. if your name's circulating it's some sort of pr as long as it's not for anything super gross well yeah. i get the intention i get the impression you don't do it intentionally it just comes out of you naturally so you just got to uh it. yeah yeah it runs in the family uh, i grew up it was me and my mom and she's always been very loud and you know theatrical my brother's in theater um and we hung around, you know, I grew up with the LGBTQ community. So it was a lot of characters in that. Yeah. And it's just like, I've always been really loud and outspoken and flamboyant and, and grandiose whenever I talk. And so, yeah, it doesn't help that the internet exists now. That's for sure. That makes complete <laughs> sense to hear that backstory yeah. about you. I've watched some of your feeds on Instagram and there's an actor in you somewhere, Terry. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I used to do theater in school. I did debate in uh, college for a little bit. So yeah, I've definitely Definitely. Uh, I know what I, I like to talk and know how to talk and I say controversial things. The problem is, is that my um, I uh, and it and it backfired in college debate a lot was I would say things before really kind of like I would hear something and be like and, you know, I always have a quip back for it, but I never developed the um, hold on a second. Let's process that so I, right. can, I right. can think about it a little bit more. Um, and I say things really quick. Um but I don't, I don't feel like I say uh, I, I'm getting better, especially with the people I surround myself with yeah. uh, at processing what I'm saying. That's why I haven't really been saying much too lately, um, because people are overly critical of other people's opinions. Right now, uh, that seems to be the case, doesn't it? Right. They yeah. want to be critical of other people's opinions, but they don't want their opinion to be criticized. Yes. And me, like, if you criticize me, if you say something about me, I'm just like, ah. and if I'm wrong, like, uh, I'll admit it. Like, I had a rant before about some crap with OnlyFans and Rebecca Lorch, who's now a really great friend. She called me one night and we talked about it. And, you know, I changed my opinion. I have no, I have no problem admitting I'm wrong or changing my opinion or even saying it publicly that, hey, I changed my opinion on that. You know, it's, yeah, it, yeah. I, I think part of being, uh, you know, a, a, a a human being is being willing to admit that maybe you were wrong about some things. So. Yeah, absolutely. We all wear our emotions on our sleeve to some degree. We often snap to opinion and snap to answer sometimes without thinking it through. And just the idea that we're all, or guys like you or guys like myself are open to the idea that you can change my mind. That's okay. Yeah. 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 I have no problem with my mind being changed, but yeah. So but you got, here. you got this crazy upbringing, right? And I'm saying crazy right off the bat because oh, yeah. it's very unique. 
Uh, just mm-hmm. what you described in that first two minutes was very unique. How the hell did you get into lifting in strength sports? Uh, so it started in seventh grade um, with Coach Gaddy. Uh, he was my seventh grade strength conditioning coach. I was really weak, man. I graduated high school weighing like a buck sixty. I was a sprinter. Um, I wasn't, you know, super big. But then I met uh, one of my best friends at the time. We actually don't talk anymore, unfortunately. I, I still consider him one of my best friends. I love the guy to death. Um, we stopped talking over politics. Yeah, that's a shame. Um, there you go. It, it is. It is, you know. Yep. Um, but he was my best friend at the time. And we would go to the, we would go and get hammered drunk at IU. And then we would do lifting afterwards like yeah. we what a way uh, about it. yeah okay. yeah we had a bench press in the front yard we would get tanked and uh do bench press at like you know three yeah. in the morning because they were all wrestlers yeah um so we were hanging with the rowdy wrestlers and then uh, decided to do a strongman contest my first one um and i believe it was 2011 um and from then on i was like oh cool so 2011 uh, 10 years ago uh, how old were you 21 21 and you weighed no, about 20. Buck, buck 65, buck 70? Yeah, I was 20. I was 160, 160 to 165 pounds. I was very light. I was a very little guy. And you jumped right into Strongman and, and it didn't stop the, the next 10 years? Nah. Well, it stopped for about um, a year. I met a girl. Yeah. Her name was Amber. She was, uh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I had just turned 21. Uh, I was in college, you know, yeah. feeling good. Met this girl at a bar. Uh, she was like 27, had huge fake boobs and yeah oh, you know good reason oh, to stop you know you're young and you're like whoa and then uh, she destroyed me like just yeah. like mentally emotionally like oh, just boy. like yeah. oh i was taking care of her kid she cheated on me oh, like, terrible oh it was horrible yeah. um and then uh one night i called my best friend because she had made me alienate everyone from my life if i wanted to be with her you can't talk like sure. my mom everything Very and I, I was miserable and i one night um she was over at another guy's house and I called my best friend, Nick. And I said, Hey man, I got to get out of this situation. And he said, I'll be right there. And we packed up all my stuff that I needed, my essentials. We dipped out and I didn't talk to her anymore. And I stayed with him and his mom um, for two and a half years. Yeah. And we literally ate, slept and breathed strong, man. When we were home, Strongman was on TV. Right. Um, when we were not at home, we were at the gym doing strongman. We were doing two a days. We were doing everything we could do, eating like we had rituals. We would do every night after a training session, we would do a big pot of macaroni and cheese, and it had chicken, steak, shrimp, ham, jalapenos, hot sauce, chili flakes, like just anything you could put in this mac and cheese. And we would just sit there and we would crush food. We would watch Strongman. We'd eat, sleep, and breathe. Yeah. Uh, what a you good know, time that was, man. It's like a perpetual training camp, getting ready for something big. It was with yeah. your best friend, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, we, we would do karaoke by ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, on the weekends, we would, we would drink a couple beers and get a little drunk and we would do karaoke in the living room. Um, believe it or not, he was a big old 300 pound strong man and he would sing Frozen. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, man. It was fun. It was yeah. a great time. Good old you know? days. Great time. And you don't talk to him anymore over politics, you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, I would. That's bullshit, was, man. That that, yeah, that kind of post- that kind of memory right there should stand the test of time, you know. Yeah, it should, and it does with me. And like, I still text him. Got all the texts, you know. Yeah. I, I sent him a text. Hey, man, love you, miss you. Still that's thinking, right. you know, he yeah. won't reply. 
Well, um, very stead. He's a very, but you know what? I have nothing bad to say. He's a fantastic stepfather. Uh, he's built a life for him and his um, significant other, Shelby. Sure. Yeah. Like they, they have a beautiful thing together. And I only wish the best for him. Yeah. No love lost with you. That's good, man. That's nope. good. No. Nope. So you guys spend all this time prepping strong man and thinking and breathing and eating strong man. And I mean, you're just inundated into the entire concept of competing and continuing to compete. Your yeah. show, what was that second show that you did then? As you guys were, I'm sure over that course of two years. Okay, you guys so, few, so right? do you want to talk? So my career, I actually lost for four years straight. I got my ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, handed, handed. Because you were small. Yeah, right? Competing yeah. as a 231. And, well, that and it was, yeah, it was like you said in a previous show, it was 231 and under, 231 yeah. and over. Yep. And then they started doing more weight classes in about 2014 is when they started introducing, introducing more weight classes, but I didn't do that. Uh, I just still kept competing in the opens at 231. Yeah. Um, then the 200 pound class rolled around. I talked with Matt Mills about it because um, I wanted to get coaching from him because I saw Matt Mills compete in 2014 in Indiana against Zach McCarley. Brian Shaw was there. Like this yeah. was a big show and Matt Mills actually ended up winning it. Oh, wow. uh, and my Nick at the time was like, oh man, you want to be someone. That's who that guy you want to be. And I said, for sure, I want to be Matt Mills. Like, you know, he was shredded, jacked, you know. Um, and so I started working with Matt and he got me ready to do Kentucky Strongest Man. Uh, in 2015, that was the first show I won. And I didn't lose for three years after that. Um, wow. Yeah, it was Kentucky yeah. Strongest Man, then Beast of the Bluegrass, Indiana Strongest Man, Indiana Heartbreakers, uh, North American Log and Deadlift wow. Championships, yeah. uh, then OSG in 2016. So, yeah, wow. I went on a heater for a little bit. And Sounds then, like it. And you weren't just yeah. on a heater. I know that area pretty well. That's a melting pot of some seriously good competition down there. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the Midwest is uh, like, especially in the Kentucky area when coming up in those times, yeah, oh, yeah. there were a lot of bangers in that, yeah. in the show. I mean, that was when Tyler Young was still doing sure. like it started like a funny story about Tyler Young. Um, we were doing Indiana heartbreakers and I still bring this up because it was so funny. I had never loaded a 360 pound, 365 pound stone before, but it was a Trump stone and it was 335 or 365. Okay, and, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And Tyler goes, which one are you going for? And in this show, Tyler was going to beat me on the deadlift, but I hit a YOLO deadlift. He hit his third and I had not hit my third yet, but I like, I think he thought I had, but he had hit his third and it was way more than I had ever pulled. And I was like, in yeah. YOLO and just sent it and just like grinded out this 10 second long deadlift, ended yeah. up hitting it. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, he lost the points on that one. He was pissed. And so he had to go for that Trump stone. I was getting in his head. I was like, yeah, I've hit that. So I'm going to go for that. And he's like, well, I got to go for it. So he missed it. And I was like, yeah, and I was like, well, I don't know. The door was open. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I could have did the lighter stone and won the show, but yeah, I was never that type of guy. And I said, I'll try it. And I ended up hitting it. Oh, so wow. um, yeah, it was uh, it, like, I wasn't going to do that to Tyler. He's Bro. so nice. He's such Being a Tyler nice Young is as good as winning America's Strongest Man at that time, wasn't it? I mean, that was a big moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tyler, Tyler's always been just like even when he was coming into the sport, like green, like he was just a killer, man. Like Tyler's always been a killer. I don't know uh, him, but I know of him. I mean, his name yeah. definitely precedes himself. I mean, he's a hell of a competitor for sure. So that's a big moment for you. Relentless. He is yeah. a relentless dude. Like Tyler Young is, I mean, just and he's gonna have like that. Um 
that like legacy that kind of lives on, you know, yes. because he's undersized, yeah. you know, he's had to eat more. I mean, the dude, when you look at him, you're like, Oh, he's like 260, but he's not, he's like barely 230. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like those are those sleepers, man. You hate guys like that. They're just, they're so they're carrying around so much good muscle, you know, mm-hmm. Tyler's biggest thing is just, you know, how long his legs are. It's that's what, that's, what's going to fry him, you know, and he can't control that, nope. but like you're, you bet your ass. He won't be one of the statically stronger dudes in the show. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he you might get him in the yoke, but he's going to bust your ass on everything else. Well, that's the beauty of the sport, right? I mean, come on. Yep. Any con- Not everybody any can be con- any like given Saturday, man. A guy can come out of the woodwork just because the contest fits him perfectly, you know? Yeah. Not everybody gets to be built like Camby and Justin Loy and all that. No, those God forbid. I mean, can you believe that guy, Nick Camby? I mean, geez, old Pete's. I, I had a, the pleasure of interviewing him a couple months back and, the dude is just built from a different fucking cut of steel, man. I mean, it, yeah, he'll go down as uh my opinion. I've said this publicly before. Uh, he'll go down as the greatest one of five of all time. Yeah. Well, he's undisputed right now. I think he owns every title. He does. Talking he does. about and competing. It's, it's rightly deserved out yeah. of, out of everyone in the, out of everyone in that class that's ever done it. It's rightly deserved. I mean, he is so gentle and nice and uh, strong and he's a fantastic friend to have. Um, you know, because he's, he's the type of guy that's going to help you, but he's going to yeah. call you on your bullshit, but he's going to help you on your bullshit that he's calling you on. He's like, Hey man, what you're doing is fucking dumb. Here's some advice though. Yeah. Um, yeah. And- he's got a good way to present that. Doesn't he? Uh, you know, when I talked to him, he was a guy that loves the sport and it seems like all you top guys do, you know, there's a certain love for history of the sport and those people that came before you and those people that you acknowledge now as being great. Like Nick, I mean, there's mm-hmm. this love that, you know, allows us all to sort of just respect one another at a really high level. And I love that. Um, you know, you're a part of that conversation as well. Yeah. It's, um, it's, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sport. It's always attracted the weirdos and like, it's a sport where you get, you know, the, the weirdo golf kids, but you also get the strong jock guys, you know, it's a sport and, and everyone gets well used to everybody got along. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, that was one thing that really attracted me uh, to the sport is I've always had like that kind of um, that that's why I like jujitsu now is because, you know, it's, it's an hour of someone trying to kill you. Right. And I, and I like that. Like, that was my favorite part. I, like I've said before, I never, I never cared about the competitions. It was never about the competitions. It was dying in the training that I liked. Yeah. It was, you know, um, the, the busting my ass for three hours, making me feel like shit. Um, the grind. I, I just like the, the, the effort required to get to that level. Um, but also with that comes the ego and all that stuff. And I just feel like um, that's kind of why the numbers, in my opinion, aren't as good as they used to be is because there's not enough ego in the sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, but with that being said, there needs to be ego that's like willing to let things roll off your shoulders. I feel like people take things way too personally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I see that's why the 105 class is doing this is because yes. it's a bunch of dudes that can talk shit to each other. Like right. we all talk still to it's this true. day. We've got group chats where we just fucking roast each other all yeah. the time. Yeah. And no one's like, well, why would you say that? Like, um, but that's why the 105s continue to do this. Yeah. And other classes are just kind of like, eh, you know, they're, right. they're kind of doing this. It's because everybody is always like, oh, I'm afraid somebody's going to say this about, you know, and it's like, no, dude, just go. It, it does hold that certain camaraderie. I've noticed that as well, talking to all these athletes that I talk to all the time. The 105s hold a very unique camaraderie. And you're right, it's by itself right now a little bit. And I'm not suggesting the other classes aren't going to get there eventually, 
but they need some work. They need to work on it. That's for sure. Yeah. The, the one of fives are a very tight knit group where, you know, cutthroat for each other. And it's, and it's wild to say that it's really wild to say that, but it's true. Like we are, we are just, uh, well, you guys are starting to get your due recognition, which is something that has been needed to happen for a long, long time. There were bits and pieces of it over the years, but more recently with Anthony and the stuff that he's doing now has made it perfectly clear to the rest of the world that the 105s are the strongest men in the world, period. There's no disputing that. And I just want to go on record saying this because I know I said it on my story, but if it were not for Anthony Furman, we'd still be in the fucking dark ages of this sport. Yeah. That dude, like, you know, Rainier's doing big shit now. They're paying out athletes. They're paying for, like, all these contests are treating athletes like athletes, regardless of the class you're in. If you're a pro, you're going to get treated like a pro. And it's 100% thanks to that. Started a precedent for sure. Yep. There are plenty of people that have had the opportunity to do this and they never did it because they were greedy. Yeah. And um, my old, well, they're always trying to sell the super heavyweights. That was always the thing, right? Never thinking outside yeah. the box. I'm just going to sell these super heavyweights over and over again. And that's, and, and that's, uh, you know, with CrossFit, that's yeah. what makes CrossFit so appealing is it's dudes doing and women doing incredible things. They look incredible. They're busting their ass. They're working so hard. But when you look at them, you're like, I could do that. If I really tried, I could do that. Yep. But like you watch Brian Shaw. Yeah. You watch Thor. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not six, seven, 400 yeah, pounds. Right. Yeah. You know, if I see that, I'm not thinking, oh, I could do that. You yep. know, but you see, and that's why there's so much money inundated in those sports is because yep. it's appealing to the average consumer. So getting the 105s out there, getting people like Nick Cammy, Nick Cammy doesn't look like he's on a, look like he's on a ton of steroids. Right. You know, I did whenever yeah. I was, at the, I looked like I was sauced out of my brain and I was, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's visually appealing and that's why that class is growing. Yeah. That's why there's yeah. so much money in it is because it's marketable. Yeah. As a consumer, we relate to it. You can be an average guy, 195 pounds, six foot tall, and you can go to a show and watch one of five guys compete and legitimately put yourself there and say, yeah, I could do that. Or I, yeah. you know, I could train to compete like these guys. When you look at the Brian Shaw's and the Thor's of the world, they're cartoon characters, man. These guys aren't real. Yeah, they're not real. They're not real. No, God bless them. They're great athletes, but it's not conducive to the rest of the public. I mean, it is kind of what it is. I, but I love, I love the way the sport is trending right now. I love regional systems getting set up. I've wanted that for a long time because nationals has always been a nightmare. Um, Yeah. Yeah. it's it's a beautiful time in the sport and i love watching it i sometimes i get the fomo uh but you know it's just for me i i've talked to doctors and i could go back to doing it if i wanted to yeah yeah but it's just i go into the gym and now my training is so different uh and i start doing stuff and i just thank god i just don't have it in me to bust out those sessions anymore well i watch you train right now i mean you're you're First off, I want to talk about your Olympic lifting background because you are speedy, man. I mean, I know you're your own worst critic when it comes to your Olympic lifts. Yeah. And I'm no expert, but I have seen enough of them to know what I see is good and what isn't good. Uh, yeah, it was super impressive watching some of your lifts. But you only competed in Olympic lifting once or twice, you said? Yeah, once. Just once. once. I, did a, yeah. I did a meet. Politics were too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, they called me for a soft elbow. And then the guy after me pressed out a snatch. And yeah. at that moment, I was like, nope. And you know yeah. me. Yeah. I was cussing oh. out the judges. <laughs> they were, And they were like. I can imagine. Know. 
Yeah, it's like, like a, it's like a church in there and you're the guy with the, yeah, everybody heard you. Yeah. Well, and that's like, but it's the same thing when I'm a judge. Like, that's why a lot of people are, whenever I come to judge, because I'm super strict. Yeah. Like if you're a promoter and you tell me the rules, I'm going by the rules. Like yeah. there are no gimmies. Like there were things at OSG that were driving me crazy. Like, um, for instance, Jody, when she did the log, she, her judge was making her bring her feet together every oh, single yeah. time. Oh yeah, you're right. right. You know, and it was, and then she got to her 10th rep on the log and she goes, boom like that and the whistle blows and then she locks it out and they were like no rep it was when the whistle was going and i was like well she wasn't having to bring her feet together but i'm like okay whatever you know that's the rules yeah, right and then i'm watching other competitors go who did just as good and she's getting down calls with her feet still in the split position and bringing the log down right whenever she brings her feet back together and i'm like this is, it's not the same. There wasn't consistency there is what you're saying. No consistency. Yeah. And, and I mean, on the deadlifts, yeah. people weren't locking out their deadlifts, but then yeah. you got V McVie who's in the fourth lane with that strict judge who yeah. Jody had, and he is making him pull his shoulders back as hard as he can oh, geez. Right, to right. get the lockout. But the other judges aren't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that that's why I was actually talking with Fern about this. I said, why don't we kind of develop a rule book like a book yeah. you know the uspa has one the U, like all the, the the ipf all they have rule books we need to come up with a rule book that is cut and defined so judges from now on can have a way to look at something because as much as people want to say oh it's strong man it's the, it's it doesn't matter a lift is uh, you know locked out is locked out yeah you know we know what locked out is you know, hitching is hitching. We don't, who cares if you're hitching like belt clean things, who fucking cares? You know, right. it, it's, but lockouts are lockouts feet together are feet together. There are certain things right. you can put in a rule book that are indisputable. You yeah. Know? And to bring consistency across the board. And the big problem is we know this and it shouldn't be at a high level at the amateur level. We're going to see a kind of a fucked up situation forever because we got to grab a hold of guys just to, a lot of times these promoters need to just get who they can get. Hopefully guys that have competed. But at those big shows, yeah. it, needs be, it has to be different. It right. has to be different. Yeah, I love that idea. You should have yeah. guys that actually qualify to be judges. Yeah, like a certification program yeah, that says sure. that you know what you're doing. Yeah, there's and no you, powerlifting organization you can walk into never judge before without a certification. So if we want this sport to be on that level, then we're going to have to do the same thing. Right, and, 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 and I think it would be something that's easy to implement, but it's also lucrative for the people that want to get into it because, you know, those high level USPA and IPF judges, they get paid to do those. Sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, having an incentive there for these judges to come spend the day doing this. Yeah, sure. Incentive that says, Hey, here's cash. But I I've also always thought we need to have a board that kind of reviews records, reviews, you know, things like that, just to let, cause every step you take to do something like that further legitimizes the sport. Yeah. You know, every yeah. step you take to do something like that legitimizes the sport more and more. So I've always thought we should have like a review board and things like that, especially at like big shows, um, because they have that at like World Strongest Man. If there's a lift, they'll review it and they'll come together and they'll, you know, decide on it. Yeah. If it, if it was a good that's lift right. or not. And yeah. at the big shows, that's something else that needs to happen. You know, it, it's probably the biggest enigma that we have right now here in the United States. Certainly we've appreciated the upward trend of strongman now for several years and the great things that some of these promoters like Anthony and others are doing even on the amateur level and we got a couple of those here in the state but the problem is there's such a there's such this 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 friction between these organizations we have and there's no camaraderie there's no 
there's nobody's really they're not colluding together you know yeah i get it i get it but about the dinero man it's the biggest problem that we have though it really is it is it is uh it's it's really unfortunate and i've never understood why people i mean i understand it because you know capitalism yeah um but i've never understood why people have to constantly put themselves in front of other people. I mean, at my business, I have a very uh, strict policy that you pay what you can. Yep. Uh, I have my set price. When you can realistically afford to pay my price, please tell me you can. Uh, don't take advantage of me because I'm going to give you, and I've been burned on it, but that's life. If you put yourself out there, you're going to get burned. Um, but you know, I've had people who've been with me for years that have lost their jobs or whatever, and I will program them for free as long as they want. Um, I'll help them for free as long as they want, because I, I feel like for being a, um, you know, either whatever, whatever camp you come from, whether you think we're a Christian nation or you believe in being a good person or whatever, there's a lot of people that have these values that don't actually practice these values. And it's weird to me, you know, there's a lot of greed. There's a lot of trying to get one over on another person. And just like, you know, I said in my story, um, I'm not going to lie about somebody. I don't lie about people. I'll speak my mind and I'll say, shitty things or, you know, whatever you want to believe or something out loud. Um, but I'm not going to lie about anybody. I'm not going to make things up about people and I'm not going to try and get one over on somebody else. I'm not going to try and screw people out of money or anything like that. Um, I might be, you know, loud and abrasive and people might not like me, but they don't like me just because they don't like my opinion. If you talk to anybody, I'm not a bad person. I would never, ever do anything to hurt anyone or screw anybody over. Like I'm just loud and abrasive and they just don't like my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that so. happens uh, with loud and abrasive people sometimes. Yeah, I, I think I think that you know the idea that we have this great trend going right now in the sport. And you're right, money kind of dictates everything, and and that's the world we live in. But as we start putting this sport first, like some competitors and some promoters are, you know, I think the value that the true takeaway is a rising tide rises all ships, and there's yes. really no wrong way to do this if we're all on board with the idea that everybody needs to support the sport. And, and work together as hard as that may be for some promoters and some organizations to try to find pathways that are legitimate, right? Because this was the big talk. And this is something that you were pretty passionate about a couple of weeks ago. And you mentioned, how does a champion compete? What is the right way for a champion to compete? And my, I argued kind of the point a little bit on my show that that's a good problem to have now because we have these different pathways to get to all these different places. But how do we organize all that to make it right so people can compete at a high level and have some organization to it? Have you ever put any thought to that? Yeah, I that it's I'll I'll frame it if if I was in the position to do it right now. Okay, if I was and you'll see people like Nick Camby do this um, and that's why the 105 class is the second largest class behind the heavyweights is because as a world champion, he's putting himself out there to lose constantly. Yeah. Um, And that is a part of what makes the sport grow faster for average consumers is seeing the best putting themselves out there and seeing people try to beat the best. So if you've got a show, like um, we'll frame it any context you want, UFC, 
are you going to watch the UFC card that has a bunch of people that are pretty good? Or are you going to watch the one that's got the champion about to lose his belt? Right. Well, it happens all the time, right? We know the answer to that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> those are the biggest selling ones. And that's, you know, a couple of weeks ago, whenever I made that post and all that drama happened, it's because as a champion, don't just do the one show that is for, to be a champion, put yourself out there. Be, do not listen. If, if you're young and you're watching this, don't be afraid to take an L. I took so many L's. LeBron James has taken a million of them. Michael Jordan's taken a million of them. The greatest in the world take so many losses, and that's what makes them the best. Dan Gable, who is one of the great, if not the greatest wrestler of all time, used to get his crap, the crap kicked out of him in middle school. And then in high school, you lost some matches. And as you progress, you just get better because it makes you want it more. How yeah. are you, you know, the, the, the moniker always rings true. How are you going to know what you're good at if you only do the stuff that you're good at? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. If you're not willing to put yourself out there and test yourself constantly uh, because you're afraid to lose, you're never truly going to be the best version of yourself you could be. Don't you think, though, that the pathway to, to, to compete, and I'm with you, I'm in the camp with you, uh, not to take any sides, but... I've always been one to compete. You compete. That's where your experience comes from. Win or lose, you get out there and compete. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a guy that would go six, seven, eight times a year. That was just my, my That's the best, way man. To way to do it. Doing it in parking lots every other week. Uh, every other weekend, man. Or every, oh. right when you healed up, you were back out there again. As soon as the strawberries went away on the arm, you were back out there or taping them off. Um, but I think the big problem, and maybe not such a problem, right? It's a good problem to have, is that there's no real organization to a lot of these different contests because there's no collaboration on when all these organizations are putting them on. So how do you organize if you were competing still America's strongest man, and then you got clash and you want OSG and then you want, I mean, these are legitimate prizes or I should say titles that we all should be bidding for, but how do you fit them in over a year? If these organizations don't collaborate with the scheduling. Um, yeah, I think a lot of that's intentional on those organizations parts. And I think that's kind of shitty yeah. um, because it puts the athletes in a crappy position. Like, you know, if you've got clash in April 24th and then you've got a really high paying, you know, strongman corp show April 16th, right. it's that's that shitty, like in yeah. my opinion. And I wish that they were working together more, but unfortunately um, stupider minds prevail when it comes yeah. to that stuff. Uh, and no one wants to work together just like in, um, I, I would, I would honestly say like, uh, the lighter weight class side of the sport, there's no like real camaraderie. Um, yeah, it's still kind of know, growing though, isn't it? Yeah. It's still kind of growing. And I think that's why there's no camaraderie with it. But like, if you watch the heavyweight guys, it's so funny, man, you go to these shows and see guys like Andrew Clayton and Wes Claburn, the Hadge brothers, like you see all these like dudes that have been grinding out these shows for years and they're all buddies, you know, they're all yeah. just hanging out chilling with each other big you know afterwards there's no hard feelings same thing right. in the 105s though you know like yeah. we've been around for so long that it's like we've just got that camaraderie but these other classes just don't have it yet there's like little weird grudges and like it's it's stupid to me um but yeah i just think i i wish like i i wish i had an answer and i wish that there was a way to get it scheduled but i think Furman does a really good job he does um, yeah. i've never i've never heard him say anything like i'm gonna put my show when this show is no, you know. and, and talking to Anthony, I, he's always, I always put words in Anthony's mouth. That's why you love me, Anthony. I know you do. Uh, I, I, 
I, I know he taught, he tries to get these answers. He does, he puts the right foot forward and I can appreciate that. His so, collaboration with USS was by no default and by no fault. I mean, it was a designed op, a movement that he made because he was getting more love from Willie than he was elsewhere. And, and that's, that's, yeah. these guys need to work together. And I was good to see that. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a uh, Willie, Willie's done a lot. And I think that was a great choice on Willie's part to, to yep. team up with Furman and stuff like that, because let's, let's be real. I mean, in, in less than two years, the dudes already went. Sure. And now he's at the top. And it makes it sense. They work together. Just like Strongman Corpse needs to come on board eventually as well. And even if there's this, this contentious two or three meetings a year or whatever, let's solve some problems and get some things scheduled. Right. And make sure that the best athletes are competing at the best competitions for everybody. Yep. 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 I, I agree. And I, but I also think it's on the athletes, you know, I think it's on the athletes to step up and do these shows you see. Um, and I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. Probably I competed a lot, like yeah. a lot. Man. I was doing a parking lot show every other month. Like yeah. I just did not care. And then um, as I got bigger and better, like I still did a lot of shows. I mean, I remember um, I did uh, world's strongest man, U90. And then immediately after did the Dallas Europa. And then immediately after the Dallas Europa, I flew back, back to Texas and did Texas, uh, strongest man as a heavyweight. Uh, and then immediately after that show did OSG, like we were doing, or no, I did a Kentucky show. And then immediately after Kentucky show, I did OSG. And then right after OSG, I did the Arnold. And then right yeah. after the Arnold, I did the Dallas Europa again, pro-am. Then right after the Dallas Europa pro-am, I went back and did, uh, ASM like I was constantly just doing as many shows as I could yeah. and it had nothing to do with like oh I want to you know it, it it was never ever about oh I want to win this title like that was like a uh, an afterthought like I'd like yeah. to win you a title right. I'd like to do that but for me it was always like oh who's gonna be at this show oh Sean's gonna be at that show oh I'm coming after Sean that was oh, the title Furman for you right yeah. yeah yeah oh I'm beating Furman you right. know what I'm saying oh the, oh this guy's gonna oh Camby's gonna oh I'm coming after Camby Yes. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Like it was right. never titles for me. It was like, I want to beat these dudes. I, and I'm telling you what, I beat all of them except Sean DeMarinas. Sean. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough name to beat right there. Yeah. Bullshit. That's what it is. <laughs> cheater. He's a yeah. cheater. You, if you listen, Sean, you're, I know you cheated. It's time for a comeback. You got now. You got yeah, out there. yeah. No, we're him and I both. We talk about it all the time. Our bodies are just like, yeah. nope. And that would be one hell of a contest. I think we might. That would be a big pay per view for sure. You know, oh, but what you just said it though. You've got that kind of camaraderie with the 105s. You guys all have done that, and you've jockeyed around each other and, and and through each other and at competitions. You know, for years now. So when the 105s came on board, I guess officially plugged in. This was old old stuff for you guys. Well, here's the thing. Here's a funny thing. Um, when, before I got my pro card, I made a comment on ASM 2016 and the 105 pros fucking hated me for it. They hated this comment. And I said, it's bullshit that the 105s are doing ASM and it's pros only because some of these dudes are zeroing this deadlift and it's right. pathetic. Yeah. And they got really mad at me for that, but yeah water under the bridge i won yeah. the arnold they you know they were like yeah it was stupid and they still roast me for it they were like remember when you talk shit and it's like i think that is uh a sign of security in themselves yeah you know what i'm saying like it is the yeah. willingness to see that be like that's a stupid fucking comment you're an idiot for that yeah but you know you're strong like hey, Terry, I, I i i highly doubt you never walked into a competition without a bullseye on your back i'm sure of that oh man Every, yeah. every single show, I fucking feel like I walk into Walmart with a bullseye on my back. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's, uh, 
but that's the thing. I think that like, there's a lot of people in this sport now that just have really, they take things personally. They are extremely uh, fragile when it comes to the mental aspect of everything. And I just don't think like, listen, if you want to get to this, the top level, like I was and Sean, and I mean, like, if you want to hit big numbers and do, and do these things, you have to be willing to a admit you're wrong and B uh, talk a little shit and see, let the shit talking roll off your back. Yeah. Because like, if you sit there and you're going to stew and dwell on people talking shit about you, your focus is elsewhere. Like you're, you're focused on something else. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say in large part, and I don't want to sound corny, you know, and it's going to sound corny to some people like, come on, but there's some truth to it. There's an old school, new school mentality to strong man. Let's face it. If you're a guy that's been in the sport for 10 years, that was just a part of your upbringing in the sport. Hell, yeah. if you were a guy that cried about something in your first show, you weren't coming back. It was, nope. you, you know, you didn't, you, you just, you knew you just didn't belong. And we've seen it happen all the time. But this old guard, if you will, this 10 year plus veterans that are, are still participating and competing at a high level now, that's just where they grew up. But now yeah. since the sport's getting so big and we got all these new people coming in, it's turned to be kind of a little kinder and gentler, if you will. You know, it's, I don't know. It's not what I like, but I, I yeah, that, and I feel like that's why the numbers aren't as impressive. Like yeah. it's, just, you know, I just, I, I, I truly don't like, I don't, I, I don't think the 80 kilo numbers are impressive. I don't think the 90 kilo numbers are impressive. I think the one Oh fives are getting stronger, but I don't yeah. think a lot of the dudes in the one Oh fives are as strong as they used to be. Um, I think on the women's side of thing, you've got wimps, like some women that are hitting some big numbers, but I just don't think the things they're doing, like in, in comparison to like when Kristen Rhodes was doing this sport, you know, right. Um, right. like it's, you know, they're like, people forget, like in the earlier days of strong woman, it was like Jill Mills and Kristen Rhodes. Like sure. there were some, they were, there were some killers. Like they there were some killers. killers. They yes. were killers, but they don't remember their name. Right. You know what I'm saying? But those, those Just ladies, bad timing. Yeah. Those ladies also, though, I don't know if you've ever interacted with Kristen Rhodes, but like she'll talk shit to you and she'll let you know. She'll she'll say, hey, listen, like to me, you know what I'm saying? She's talked shit to me. She's and that's why she won ASW so many times and she did so much impressive stuff is because she's a killer. Like and you and, and you have to like there's something about, you know, if you want to be the best at a sport that's about being like relentlessly dumb over and over again with your body you have to have a little bit of ego to go with it absolutely yeah you know and and yeah whether you want to admit it or not everybody wants to see that i mean this is a sport that's built around a little foundation of ego there's no question about it look at andrew clayton yeah andrew clayton you know he's he is so he's such a sweet humble guy you know andrew and i used to have our little quarrel but like like i said we're two adults so we can bury that shit like you know now we talk all the time and clayton you know he is so you know he's such a goofball but you know he's a sweet gentle dude but at the same time when he goes to compete that ego like he is and sometimes he'll post it on a story andrew's crazy yeah like andrew andrew will shatter every bone in his body to make sure that he beats you on an event like and it requires that to be the best yeah you know like camby in my opinion camby's got that ego and like he wants to win and stuff but camby to me is like the lebron james of strongman he lets his performance do the talking he's very nice um but he trains smart doesn't do gear and a bunch of blast a bunch of steroids you know he 
keeps his body in tip top shape. And that's why he's going to have that longevity and he's going to go down in my opinion as the greatest of all time. Um, but it's, uh, you know, for the rest of us, we're like, you know, the J.R. Smiths and we're trying to, you know, climb our way to the top. We're like the KD. So we're going to have that edge to us so we can yeah. get our name up there. Yeah. Um, you know, because Camby's just a genetic phenomenon. You look at the yeah. dude. I mean, he's, he's fucking built like a brick shed house. Yeah. There, there's, there's guys like that coming up the pipe too, you know, and, and I think in large part because of the, you mentioned longevity something that you or I didn't get a chance to experience maybe quite as much because it was a little bit more of the wild west. Um, but nowadays there's legitimate programming. There's legitimate off season preparation. If for guys yeah. like Nick, there is an off season cause there's not, I mean, he's pretty much going year round, but yeah. you're a coach and you coach a lot of successful, strong men and strong women. How does that dynamic play into your thought process when it comes to your athletes now your off season, on season, the drug usage, the nutrition? I know you're not big into that, but I mean, are, are you looking at it compared to when you started to where it's at now? Like you're looking at two different worlds. Yeah. Like when I started, man, it was, you know, like I said, I was doing like two a days with my best friend. Right. Uh, right. You no, know, we want to do fucking power cleans and then we go get hammered at b-dubs and we go back to the gym and we press you know like it was like i i I have no idea um actually one of the guys that helps promote osg aaron mullen he helps all the giants live events he owns my old gym core and i don't know how many times we would come in after a night binge drinking at iu and he'd be like you guys reek and we'd be like yep and we're gonna hit a squat max today there's something about being young too though right something about being 21 man you just can do that now i'm like i don't even want to look at a plate um yeah it's it's just now as like you know the um the thought and it's really this is my favorite thing about the strongman community um in in regards to coaching and programming like dudes like greg popejoy and you know Furman and um tyler young or david bait and these dudes like i'll talk about something you know like hey uh, melissa's yoke at dubai what did you do you know she fucking crushed that 600 pound yoke and it's like well she didn't touch a 600 pound yoke before that show you know because like the thought process and the thought and the intent behind everything we're doing is so much more specific now that like we're getting better and better athletes but with that being said if the athletes are better and better and the programming is better and better don't be afraid to put yourself out there to compete then you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a good coach should be able to manage your fatigue. A good coach should be able to prep you for multiple shows. Uh, I don't know if you know my client, Carly Oliveira. I know of her. Yes. Yeah, dude. I have trouble not getting her to compete. Yeah. Like I have to tell her, Hey, we got to, we got this show coming up. She's like, but I want to do this one. I'm like, I know just come back. Come on. We don't need to be doing this one right now. Like it's too close to this one. She's like, come on, let me do it. Like this past weekend, she's got the Arnold in a month. Yep. You know what I'm saying? This past weekend, she did a heavyweight USS pro show. She's like 150 pounds. Cutting it close. She, yeah. 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 I'm, but I mean, she doesn't care. She's like, I want to do this. I want to, I want to beat this chick. Who's a heavyweight. Like I, I, she's a, and dude, she does no gear and she does, she's, you know, mid to late thirties, I believe. Yeah. Like she's just, wow. yeah. Like no gear, mid to late thirties. She, she's a killer. She doesn't care she wants to go out there she wants to murder everyone she can and you know she's gonna try and snag a few trophies along the way like that's what it is for her i like carly just wants to compete has nothing to do with trophies has nothing she wants to beat you and compete against you she's got that old school mentality man she's a killer bro she did a like we didn't peak for this show 
that she did this past weekend. There was no yeah. preparation, really, no peaking. I had her hit the events one time because Arnold's more important. Yeah. She does a stone medley. Keep in mind, she's like 155, 160 pounds. She, the final stone in this stone medley was 300 pounds and she had to carry it and load it. Yeah. And, she, and there were four stones before it. And she got to that last stone and almost loaded it. She was just a little too far back from the platform yeah. and yeah. it fell down. Yeah. But it's like looking at her and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Right. And that would have been like a freaking like a 40 pound stone PR, but yeah. she gets into the show and it's right. just like Mel and Jody and Kevin Ferris and all these people that I coach, they get in the show and we train like, dude, my mentality behind coaching is I'm going to beat you into the floor. Like I beat myself into the floor because I know yeah. that's what it took. Right. Because if I can make five days a week, feel absolutely dog shit and shitty. Like you want to jump off a cliff. When you're rested, you go into that show, you're going to be right. like, you'll eat it up. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. What is this? Yeah. What is this? Like, what are we yeah. doing here? This is like an off day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, ex I, I tell all my clients, it's training day. We're training. Let's train today, yeah. you know? And that's always what it is. Um, so, yeah, it's just like, I understand the science. You know, I've got books right here. I, I'm always reading the books. Like, you know, I'm always studying the ways to make the programming side of it better, but the programming is so easy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, yeah. the, the biomechanic right. part in the, in yep. the, the analyzing movement, that's where it gets a little tricky. Right. And also just the fatigue management, but programming dude, like it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's very yeah. easy. It's, it's learning when to implement which system, you know? So yeah, yeah. It, it really is simplified. It's not reinventing the wheel. I, there's yeah. just different coaches with different mindsets. You're one with a different mindset. You come in with that, you know, kill or be killed mentality. We're going to train till we beat ourselves into the ground, recover and get back at it again. So when we go to competition, this is just an off day. Let's have a party, you know, and that's kind of the way I get the feeling that you go into this. Well, and I take a lot of pride in uh, being the coach who, you know, I've had a lot of athletes come to me in the past that have had a history of extensive gear use. I'm not going to name names. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, I take a lot of pride in being the coach that doesn't push gear. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was an interesting article that was written about how I push drugs and stuff like that. And it's, you can ask any client I have, um, they will tell you straight up. He won't even really talk to me. Yeah. You know it. what, Terry, it's, I, I, I don't even think that's necessary to mention because of what you went through it personally. And, and uh, if you wouldn't mind, share that in Cliff Notes version for me, will you? Because I know there's a lot of people that know your story, but I know a lot of my listeners probably are uh, probably curious what we're talking about with what, what happened to you. Yeah. So I uh, hit it hard and heavy. I mean, I did steroids from 2016 all the way up until 2019. I did them for three years. Um, and I like churn and burn these gear. I was doing insulin trend mass test DECA D ball and a draw. If it, if it was a gear, if it was gear, I did it. Yeah. Uh, and I did some wild cycles. Um, but I was prepping for the Arnold in like mid to late January, early February of 2019. And I was doing five forty-five front squats for five. And on my fifth set, fifth rep, my heart, I felt a click. And my, it was beating money. I was like, what is that? Like on my fifth rep came up, I sat down and I was feeling it. I was a little lightheaded and I was like, this isn't right. Yeah. And I never like as much of an ego and as driven and whatever as I am, I'm not the guy that ignores shit like that. Like, you know, you get those guys who are like, ah, it's go away. You know, I'm right. not going to sure. go home, go to bed. Immediately went to the hospital. 
Um, they scanned me, they did an echo. They said I was in atrial fibrillation. Um, I, with like a sustain, whatever, um, my blood pressure wasn't high. So they weren't super worried. They were like, Hey man, you're an AFib. We got to figure this out. Um, if it doesn't, you know, get out, you're, we're going to have to cardiovert you. Um, so I sat there for about a day. They ran me through an echo and a bunch of tests and turns out I had left ventricular hypertrophy, which is a very common yeah. Um, yeah. adaptation in your heart because it's a muscle. It's going to get thick like everything else. It had to supply. I know you knew what I looked like. I was huge. Yeah. Uh, and at the time I was about 252 pounds. Um, and they were like, keep going down this path. It's not going to go well for you. You're, you know, my arteries looked good. I just had the LVH and I was an AFib. Yeah. So I said, you know what? It's not worth it. I got a right. beautiful girlfriend, you know, I got all this stuff I need to worry about. So I'm going to do that. Um, so I came off stuff for extensive period of time and then did ASM and I ran a small cycle from um, like early August till late September of 2019. Yeah. Um, one ASM. And then from there I was done. Yeah. Well, and you know, this, that story's got a lot of layers to it because really in such a short time, you did that damage, which is in itself its own story, because there's a lot of young guys out there that, that we know we both know who these people are that are five, six, seven years into this type of abuse. And to not expect something bad to happen is ridiculous. I like what you said, though, in your in one of your uh, one of your video logs that, you know, and it's true. I always preach this less is better. You know, and, and you, it, unfortunately, you have to get older and wiser to understand that. But there are guys out there that, like you said, you never went over a thousand grams, you know, you don't need to, yeah. and, uh, you know, so these are just good stories. I think are important for guys to hear because it breaks my heart when I see guys that are putting it all into a sport and have to rely so heavily on something that has so little to do with it. Yep. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, it's funny, the, the further I got into my career, the less I did because the training just got better. That's right. Like I just understood it more, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I started programming for myself, um, like mid 2018. Um, and that's kind of when I went on a, another little tear in yeah. my pro career. Right. Um, so it's like, yeah, I just stopped. I started using less stuff and the programming just got better. And I started right. taking programming into my own hands a little bit more. I have a, like, would do my off season stuff with somebody else because that's so I could focus on my job and clients at the time. Yeah. Cause I had a full job at the time. Sure. Um, but yeah, for contest prep, I always did my own stuff and you know, it's, it's, <clears throat> I feel like that's why a lot of people are comfortable coming to me as a coach because they know oh, I'm yes, not yeah. gear on them. Yep. You know, and a lot of people that have done a lot of gear in the past come to me because they're like, Hey man, I've done a lot of stuff. Can you help me like get back to what I was because I don't want to do that. And I'm like, of course we can yep. always do that. Yep. The thing I can tell people is if you, if you go down that path and you want to be a great strongman and you want to get to that top level, uh, without having to use the supplements, it's can be, has been in this sport for so long and he didn't do that stuff. Yeah. And that's why it took him so long to get that's where right he is. Yeah. It's a, it's a much, much longer road. But that's the problem. Uh, People don't want to wait. They're not willing to put in the yeah. fucking time. Well, I think that's an American value, baby. Well, it we, is, unfortunately, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want that instant gratification. And I see, you know, on the in in the scary part for me is on the women's side, I see it really bad. Well, um, yep. A lot of gear. And I see a lot of these girls that are just sweet girls that are going to crush numbers, but then they don't understand that the side effects I get as a man, my body can handle them a lot better. 
yeah. than a woman's body can, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. they're off the, reservation with some of the shit they're taking. It's just not designed yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's not designed for them in the kidneys and liver, and, and it's just not the same. And people want to argue it all the time. And I'm like, listen, we have hundreds of years of medical studies to prove what I'm saying. Yeah. And just because you don't like it, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not being a misogynist. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just telling you, this is not, this is not a game you want to fucking play. Cause I've, I've been there and it's until like everyone, um, there's a comedian, I think it's like Krista Elliott talks about, uh, everyone feels like they're in their own movie. You're in a movie. Everyone else is an extra in your movie. This is your movie. And when that doctor looks you in the face and says, Hey, you keep doing what you're doing. You're, you're checking out of your movie early. Right, right. That sucks. And, you know, going back to something about, you know, uh, mental health and, and stuff like that, that has been brought up over the last couple of weeks. You want to talk about mental health struggles. I'm the king of mental health struggles yeah. for two years. I dealt like no sleep, constantly checking my blood pressure, constantly, you know, take what, what vitamin can I take? That's going to oh, make geez, me feel yeah. better. Yeah. You know, just, I was an extreme hypochondriac to the point where I had to go to therapy because I was constantly in fear that I was going to die yeah. early and I didn't want to, you know, and that, that you want to talk about a mental health struggle. Yeah. Wait till you go through that. Wait till the doctor looks at you and says, you're going to die. And you got to face that. Yeah, man, I, I was just there. I had cancer. I got over it. I beat it. But um, congratulations. Was, man. Yeah, thanks, man. That was eight months worth of chemo and shit. And I find, you know, I'm just Terrifying. two months out of it right now. So, but well, I know exactly I, what I, you're I, saying. I know exactly what you're saying. I know what kind of game that plays with you, especially when you think you're invincible mm-hmm. and that you, you still know you have it in your heart, but now your body's telling you otherwise. And it's just not a fun place to be. Yeah. And, you know, with like, I, I, I think that everyone's hypersensitive to everything right now, yeah, you know, yeah. just, and, and I say these things from the uh, like, everything I say is from the perspective of a pre pandemic, because yeah, like, I still it. talk like it's pre pandemic and when people had a little bit thicker of skin, but I think the pandemic really kind of exposed everybody's oh, how fragile they are to things. Yeah. I think, it you did. know, yep. yeah, I think the, the pandemic kind of softened everybody up a little bit. And, and I, in my opinion, it should have did the opposite. Now is the time we need to be tough. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You need to be tough. Yeah. Like regardless of how you feel, like you know, like mask, whatever, vaccine. I I don't give two craps what you believe in. Um, you got to be tough in a time like this. Yeah, you know, you have to be tough. So well, I agree with you, and I I, I have a feeling there's a wave coming our way. Uh, I'm starting to sense it. We're we're seeing this um, a better reality. This less of a you know a snowflake existence and woke sort of society is starting to. Uh, implode on itself a little bit i don't have a problem saying that and if anybody listening does they don't have to listen because i I don't want any part of it anymore well you know me i'm super i'm in the lgbtq community i'm a very like left guy yeah Um, it doesn't mean you can't be you know right like you know that's which is interesting about you right because nobody would guess that about you Oh, dude, uh, with everything that's happening i've been called an incel i've been called a conservative whatever and i'm like do yeah. you even know me? Like, right. do, you, do you know who I am? Because I am so far from that. But that's the, and, and I, going back to what you were saying is it's eating itself. Yes, It eats its own. And that's the problem is it, is it starts with good intentions, just like everything. And yeah. then eventually it spirals into something. It's not kind of like, you know, that Instagram page that, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it started out as something great and then it spiraled into something terrible. Yeah. And that's like everything because there's no checks and balances. And like, you know, especially in this, uh, 
society we're in right now, people just like are hyper reactive to everything. Yes, they are. Um, and it just, I honestly, like, it really sucks that there's no discourse anymore. When, when all this drama happened, I would have people messaging me and, you know, I've gotten so many death threats, so many death threats over the last like month. Yeah. Like, and I think they get upset because my response, whenever I get a death threat is that's terrible advice. <laughs> right. Like, why would mean? I do that? Yeah. That yeah, makes no sense. That, that's bad. You should not be a coach. That is bad advice. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't, I, it's, we'll see what happens, man. I, I just think like the uh, the hyper reactivity and like being offended by other people's opinions and stuff like that. It's just, it's a weird thing to like, I'm a, if I don't like your opinion, I'm just like, okay, fuck you. Or, you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I agree. And I think kind of what, if we could bring it kind of back into our strongman community a little bit, it's a growing pain. I think it really is. It is. I think these sort of little knock your head kind of thing is going to happen for a little while until it's already been there, done that. Let's move on. You know, that argument was had last month by so-and-so. We don't need to have it again. Yep. Uh, but it, it's a testament, though, to the growth of the sport, right? Because now all of a sudden we're not this, well, we still are a very kind of invisible sport. But back, go back 10 years again and let's play old school. You know, 20, 30 people at a competition. Now you got 100. In a parking lot. Yeah, Ooh. right. In a parking lot. Now you're on baseball good, fields and in, in conference centers. So, I it's going to come with the territory. You're getting all these different personalities in now. And before you know it, we're going to have these issues. Well, and that's what I tell my athletes like Jody and, you know, Mel and all these people, they do so many shows because I tell them, Hey, you know, you're especially like Jody and Mel and Carly and Cassandra and like my female athletes. I tell them you're in a very unique position where you're in the growing part of the sport where it's going to be blossoming into something beautiful in the future. Yeah. And just like with me, uh, I tell them you're not going to be the benefactor of the beauty down the road, but right. you're the one that's paving the road for that's the future. Right. Yep. And, you know, like, that's why Mel and jo they do so many different shows. Like, you know, she'll do Canada's strongest, like nationals as a heavyweight. Jody's doing Rainier. Yep. She did Rainier last year as a heavyweight. And anytime they ask me about a show, I'm like, let's do it. Yep. Let's do it. Let's do yep. as many as we can, because yep. you're paving the, that road for these young women that yep. are going to be coming up and they're going to want to look at you. They're going to be like, wow, look at this woman. She's strong. She puts herself out there. She's always up for the challenge. She's never dodging anything, you know, and, and it's beautiful. Like, like I, I, I don't know. It's they're in a very, I like, I like that analogy. Cause you're right. Despite the good position strong man is in right now, there's a lot of work to be done and every athlete out there competing right now, whether they want to hear this or not, is really paving the way because it's not there yet and they won't be around when it is here, but they got to, they got to put some, they got to put some, uh, what do you want to call it? Some, they got to put some, uh, they got to be happy with what they're giving the community right now, you know, because exactly. what they're doing is the laborious work to get it to be at a high level. Right. I mean, do you think like, uh, you know, PUDs and all those guys are like, well, you know, they're getting paid this much at Worlds now. Right. They knew yeah. that they were a part of a legacy and, yeah. you know, something that propelled to, to, to greater heights. And I think about that with my career and I love it. You know, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I still get people at shows and messages from people, you know, like Anthony Marinara, uh, Muscles Marinara, yeah. San Lorenzo. He 
uh, came to me for coaching. He was working with Anthony Deal for a little bit and Deal told him to hit me up because Deal uh, said, hey man, I feel like I've kind of reached my plateau with him. I don't know really where to go. So San Lorenzo reached out to me and he said, I can't believe I'm working with you. You're my favorite strongman of all time, 105s. And I was like, 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 man, you, you're a killer. He's like, I've always watched you compete and you just like, you're the littlest, you're never the strongest, but you, you win. And then for me, I'm reflecting and I'm like, who is that for me? Zach McCarley. And a lot of people don't remember Zach McCarley as a one in five, but Zach McCarley, he was never the biggest. He was never the best presser, never the best deadlifter, never the best anything, but he won the most ASMs up until Sean D. Marinas won his last one. Yeah. Zach had won a, a you know, four or five ASMs. Yeah. He had, he had won almost every show he had did. And he was always the littlest dude, never did gear, like never did any of that stuff, but he was beating guys like Sean and he was beating Matt Mills and he was beat because he was a killer. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. It, and I say this to my client, it does not, I don't give two shits what you do in the gym. And I have to have this talk with Melissa once a month, I feel like, because she'll get in her head about something she does in the gym. And I'm like, Hey, I don't fucking care right. Doesn't matter. what that looks like in the gym. I don't give a shit because Melissa did not touch a 600 pound yoke before Dubai. She had never touched the two last stones she did at Dubai, but she yeah. loaded them. Yeah. She beat everyone in that yoke almost, but she didn't need to touch it because it doesn't matter what you do in the gym. It, the thing that makes you on that level is here. Yeah. When it's game day, if you can get up and pick that fucking thing up and make it work, regardless of whether or not you did in the gym, because what you can, did mentality, gym, man. you can take everybody. I told said this the other day, everybody that I've interviewed so far, they all are the same. They just are different people. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. These champions and, and, are, these champions have an identity that's very similar period. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, there's, there's something to be said for the, the like, I think there are one-off champions. Like people yeah. that'll win a big show one time. Sure, sure it's happens. like cool. You know, you get those. Um, but like the people that are consistently banging out these big shows yep. and, and performing at these big shows, even if the training didn't go that way. Yeah. I, we call them gamers. Gamer. Like um, yep. you know, I I was a gamer, Sean D. Marinas was a gamer, Zach McCarley was a gamer, Camby's a gamer, Justin Loy's a gamer, Furman's a gamer. Um, every and it's just who in on that day. Right. has best advantage in their game. Yeah. Um, and you saw yeah. guys on that list at a competition, man, there's only one way to bring it because you know what you were getting. Oh, dude, ASM 2019. I mean, it was me, Camby, Deal, Tom Matafis, James Deffenbaugh, Anthony Furman, Jesse Nelson. Oh, Jesus. Like, oh, dude, the content. Like superstar lineup, man. <sighs> that wow. was a heavy hitter show. How'd you place man. in that? I won. You did? Uh, yeah. That was the yeah. one you won? That was oh, the geez. one I won. Yeah, retire, right? I'm done. Yeah, well, and it was funny because that was actually one of my worst performances. I didn't win a single event. Yeah, um, you don't have to, thank goodness, right? Yeah, it was uh, the, a guy was supposed to give me two IVs the day before, and he blew out my vein three times with the same catheter. So yes. I didn't get my two last bags. So I was loaded up on sodium. I woke up the next day, and my blood pressure was 160 over 90. Yeah. And I, was, I felt horrible. Sure. And I, I, hit, yeah. I had hit a 390 log in training. Um and 370 came around on the log for my second attempt and I hit it. But when I locked it out, I got here and I dropped it and had a seizure afterwards. I started like violently convulsing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, they were grabbing me, like James Deffenbaugh grabbed me and caught me. And I was like, get the fuck off me. I'm fine. And then I went and sat down and I went over to the supplement company and found, um, 
the gorilla chemist or whatever his name is. Yeah. I found his vasodilator and I looked at the ingredients and I ripped it open. And I said, I'll come back. And I chugged like, you know, four or five scoops of this and just drank a bunch of water to get yeah. like blood flow. Yeah. And, um, did the bag toss did terrible on the bag toss. Cause I was still like foggy brain, like from my yeah. blood pressure, I was like, you know, and then it eventually came around on the deadlift. I hit a good deadlift, the yoke, uh, my yoke was okay. And then it came down to stones. I was in second place. I was a point behind Furman. He went last on stones. I can be loaded the 420 stone. I think it was a 420 stone. He loaded it three times or four times. And I loaded it three times and Furman only got it once. And that was enough okay. to get me. So yeah, points wise, you were right where you needed to be. Yep. Yep. It was, uh, but yeah, if you're listening, you don't got to win the events. You don't know. No, win. no, man. That's an awesome be a story. Good game, bro. You just got to be a good story, game. especially when you're hanging out with those dudes. Right. Hey, yep. yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you bring it up every time. Uh, uh, not, not too much. Uh, my, I only, I, the only memories I bring up are Tommy Sharp at the Dallas Europa that I bring that up every time I see him. Cause it, cause it, cause he hates it. Yeah. Um, and the Tyler Young stone story. Those are my two favorite strongman. Memories. You know, I get the impression, uh, Terry, you don't mind getting under people's skin a little bit. I love that about you. Uh, yeah. I like to talk shit, man, but like it's, but here's the thing as much as I talk shit and like I say things and whatever at shows, even if you're not my client, come up to me, I'll yeah. help you. You need help. Like at OSG, there's a coach that I fucking can't stand in this sport. Not going to name names. Um, but, you know, I'm noticing at OSG that they didn't fill up the tires whenever they took the yoke heights, but they filled them up the next day. So everybody's yoke height is going to be a little different. Yeah. I said that knowing he could hear me so he could tell his athletes. Yeah. Because I don't want right. any, I don't want my athletes to have any advantage. I've never been that dude. I don't look for advantages. I don't look to one up on people. And even if you're not my client, I'm going to help you in any way you can, because at yeah. the end of the day, it's, it's a fucking, it's a goofy, stupid sport. Right. We pick up rocks, people right. like don't take it so seriously that you feel like you have to fuck over someone else in order no. to win. No, I don't do that. And I refuse to let my athletes do that. It's, it's, we only got each other in this sport. We're That's a bunch, right. we're a bunch right. of misfits and we only have each other. So, you know, it's, I, I don't know how many coaches have came up to me at a show uh, like, you know, Greg Popejoy or Dan Falcone. And they're like, Hey, do you have this on you? Uh, my athlete needs it. Of course. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, Nancy's getting ready for this. Do you see anything that maybe she, yeah, let's try Let's try this. You know, it's in it. <laughs> I'm you know, only when, here to help. You, I only want to help. Yeah. When you, when you come across as approachable, despite any other character traits, that's the most important, right? I mean, yep. you could be a guy that can pick on people or say what you want to say, and not make people happy, but if people know you're approachable, that makes everything okay. Because you're really not a dickhead. You're I'm just not, a guy I'm, being I'm, a guy I'm, or being yourself. There's a group on uh, Facebook called talking bouncing deadlifts or talking belt cleans, man, or, you know, they always change yeah. their name, uh, but they post memes about me relentlessly. They're always talking shit about me, yeah. but there are people in that group that have come up to me at a contest and been like, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, and, but I never bring it up. Cause yeah. I like, it, cause in my mind, people just talk shit. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to take it personally. No, like, I, just people yeah, talk you're shit one of the better shit talkers too. So you got to appreciate yeah, it. Like it's my yeah. thing is I just say it so you can hear it. Like, right. I'm not going to do it behind a privacy wall. Yeah. Like, I want you to know, because I feel in my mind, I feel like there's two reactions. Uh, if somebody, if I'm talking shit or if somebody talks shit about me, I'm going to message them and be like, hey, let's talk or, you know, try to squash it or become friends. Like, 
I talk shit to Rebecca Lorch. And then one night I get a FaceTime at 2 a.m. And she's like, hey, let's talk. Yes. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk. Let's squash it. Now we talk all the time. Like, and it's, it's people just, you know, at the end of the day, when they, when, and this is my thing, when people realize they're just not that important. And I just know I'm not that important. I'm just some fucking dude. I'm going to die one day. I'm, people are going to forget about me in a hundred years. It doesn't, I don't fucking care. Like, and when you realize you're not that important, you take life a, like one step at a time and a little less serious. A little lighter. Yeah. Right. Just enjoy the ride. And that's why I don't have like the hypochondria and anxiety about my health and stuff anymore. Like granted, like I'll have my times when my blood pressure gets a little high, but then I just think proactively and I'm like, oh, what yeah. can I do to fix that? You know? And it's like, you take things I don't know. Life's just better. Like, well, you know, it's, what it's a wiser mentality. I mean, the younger version of you or the younger version of me would have looked at us and said, fuck you. <laughs> we got oh, this figured sure. out already. Right. Do more trend. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Trend, trend. Right. Well, yeah. hey, listen, Terry, this has been every bit as enjoyable as I thought it was going to be having you on. You are one of the more outgoing personalities in the sport of strongman. And you know that you're probably one of the more outspoken guys in the sport as well. And we need more of you. Despite anybody out there that want to draws up controversies, we need more guys like Terry Ratty out there because you make this sport fun. You make it relevant with your conversations and you certainly make it relevant with all the great athletes that you train and hang out with. So I appreciate coming on the show today. Hey, I appreciate that, man. It was a great podcast. I do listen to it. Um, yeah. I do listen to your podcast. So I was excited to do this one when I saw your message. Um, it's a great podcast. I think you have a fantastic way of presenting everything. I think you have a fantastic, I think you do a fantastic job of letting the athletes talk with great leading questions. So just keep it up, man. I love what you're doing. And hey, anytime, I appreciate it. Uh, anytime you want to, uh, you know, have me back on or have any of my athletes or do any of that, just, you know, reach out. They're more than willing to do it. I will. Uh, I'll be reaching out to you for sure. And and I'm more than uh, excited about catching up with you sometime on the road so we can share a beer and some more. Are you going to be in a clash? I am. I'm going to, I'm actually going to look into getting my, my room here this weekend yet. So I was just talking to the wife about it and I think we're going to make a long weekend out of it. So you're going to be there, of course. So of course and that would be, be a great man. place to sit down I and have a drink. I think I've got like 10 athletes doing it. Yeah, so. you do. I know you got a lot in there. So makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. And I told them, I, I looked at, I'm leaning on all of them. I'm like, Hey, if you guys freaking podium and get some of this cash, do I get tips? Like, is right. there a tip? Like my gonna, beer for the night, right? At least, yeah. At least get me drunk. Cause yeah. listen, <laughs> you haven't seen drunk Terry yet. No. Okay. Well, let me just tell you. Atlanta's well, I'm going to come there. So drunk. maybe I will see drunk Terry. So that'd be great. We'll right? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And Alanis Morissette karaoke will happen. Oh, um, oh boy. Yeah. I'm going to have oh, myself one out for that. That's great. I, get the it. I, I got some pipes. I got some pipes. Well, you, you come from that background. Little does everybody know you're from drama school, man. Theater. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll see you out there then. Uh, I'll definitely get in touch with you if that's my plan. But otherwise, uh, have a great trip and we'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks All for right, having thanks, me. Sir. All right, man.